0: Hello everybody and welcome again to the Good Trash Genre Cast where a bunch of people gather around a table and we talk about the films that you never discuss in a film today's core syllabus. But however, it's November and we are doing TV and uh, this week's film is NBC's. This week's film? This, this week's television show. See, the habit is just so ingrained. It's isn't hard, it? yeah. Because it's, we never do TV. This is the second time we've done this. I'm glad we're doing it again. I'm going to say movie and say film a great many times.
1: I feel like we should have one of those little old-school needle record scratches.
0: Right, because what are we doing? We're doing TV. This week's show is The West Wing, uh, written by Mr. Aaron Sorkin, starring uh, the great Martin Sheen, Rob Lowe, Bradley Whitford, et al. Well, uh,
2: let's give a shout-out to the ladies, because...
1: Thank you. Let's
2: give a shout-out to the ladies, because Allison Janney is great, and Starker Channing's great, even though she's not... In the episodes we're actually reviewing
0: and, all, and also Jessica Maloney as Donna She's fantastic too She's so great, yeah she, We love her um, But before we get in all into that We need to do some introductions To my left, sir, if you would My name is Dalton Stewart
2: And I slept with a call girl Unintentionally Would you trip? <laughs> I mean, I didn't know she was a call girl When I, when I took her home She's very, very She's not a hooker She's a very, very high-priced call girl She's not what you
0: think I, I, Is she a, a call girl? Yes. Then she's exactly what I think. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, Mr. Dalster. Thank you, Mr. Bradley Woodford. <laughs> Across the table, if you would.
1: My name's Alexandra Bohannon, and tell your friend POTUS, he's got a funny name, and he should learn how to ride a freaking bicycle. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's very good.
2: <laughs> That's very good. Well, uh, I'm not comfortable with the implications.
1: I know. I just thought of that. <laughs> I was not, like, uh, don't, guys at home, please don't. Uh, w- I'm
0: leaving now. You
1: don't have to ship us together. It's I'm fine. I'm
0: resigning my post. <laughs> well, this week is my host pick, and all I can say is victory is mine, victory is mine. Great glory in the morning, victory is mine. Bring me all the bagels and the muffins in the land as I drink from the keg of glory. Sorry, Arthur. He's drinking from the keg of glory. (laughs) He wants me to bring him all the bagels and muffins in the land. The finest bagels, the finest <laughs> bagels and muffins in all the, in land. the land, and uh, we're very, very excited to be talking about this television series. We're looking at the first three episodes of The West Wing, although our conversation may expand in some places beyond and to other places as well. Now, to warn you, dear listener, this is not a review show; it's an analysis show. Uh, the se- the series is already critically acclaimed. Uh, it's probably been recommended to you in Netflix. In fact, with it being election week, and as we record today, November third, tomorrow. Tomorrow being the 4th of November, also the day of my birth, I expect all your cards and candies to come in. And uh, be sure you find out all information by emailing us at goodtrashjournercast at gmail.com. Nonetheless, uh, when you do all of that and we celebrate this fine um, – exercise in american democracy this is a good time to be watching the show and uh, absolutely so now let's move on to quick reviews of the show as we always do followed or rather preceded by a synopsis from the voice of the cinema mr arthur gordon himself arthur is here in the room as a producer this week and uh, we're very very thankful for him the up and sound quality has been remarked by several and uh, we thank you for those positive comments
3: this powerful political epic chronicles the triumphs and
0: travails of White House senior staff under the administration of President Josiah Bartlett. Very good, very good. That's a very well-named president also, by He's the by. he got a sweet president name.
1: Well, I mean, your son.
0: Well, I mean, if you mention that. Yeah, by the way, it's very well-named. I mean, brilliant people do these things. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> womp womp. Uh, what I would say about, the, about this before we move into our quick reviews is it's fascinating to me that the show is uh, oriented towards the staff. In fact, in the original writing, I listened to some commentary from Aaron Sorkin on the show, mm-hmm. and he talked about how it wasn't going to be Bartlett hardly at all in the show. Martin Sheen was only going to be very occasionally – in the series, and it was going to really center itself on the staff. But Martin Sheen was just so great and charismatic, and he didn't just take all the air out of the room like they were afraid of. Like, it would just be all about the president. And so, I'm glad of that.
1: So, it's kind of like how Jaws originally was going to, you know, or Jaws is a movie that doesn't really have the shark in it a was, lot. Yeah, it's, it was but the shark originally
2: is the opposite i guess because jaws was supposed to have more shark originally and then by necessity less shark and this is the exact opposite of that. precisely and it works so dustin um since this was your pick we are we're doing a, every pick this month um is a host pick specific we didn't collaborate on our decision of tv shows at all so before we we get into our, our, our brief reviews dustin i just want to throw to you real quick and, and ask is there any reason in particular you wanted to talk about the west wing of all the shows that you like
0: well, I mean, for I mean, obviously the timing was important because I knew this was going to be election week and I thought a political drama would be something worth talking about. So the timing was an important factor for me um, in in choosing the series, but also I just it's it's a series that I really really find fascinating that I find really intriguing, and it is one of those earlier soirees into serialized fiction mm-hmm. uh, before the the sort of glut that began with Lost and mm-hmm. uh, sort of the tidal wave you know crescendoing in Breaking Bad, Mad Men, uh, Game of Thrones. At all? At all? Right. I mean, I wouldn't say that it's necessarily the first. The first, because of course Twin Peaks. The reason why Twin Peaks only made it two seasons. Is is because it was in the age before the DVR, yeah. which was my pick last time. But this is another one of those examples that well, sort of survived a little longer and, and is into the DVR era. Into the
2: DVR era, and it's a contemporary of The Sopranos, 98, 99 for The Sopranos. So, right. I mean, yeah, this is on the cusp of that wave with some of those those first forerunners.
0: So in some ways it's seminal, and so that's that's part of why I made the pick. But uh, thank you for asking the question. and well, good, uh, It
2: was a good pick. It was new to me, and Alex, it was, it was new for you, right?
1: Oh, no, I've watched a... Handful, and I, I think I watched it when I was like little, little, like when it came gotcha. on. I, I'd
2: seen an episode for a high school government class. So,
0: so without any further ado, though, let's move into our quick thumbs up, thumbs down reviews. What works about it, or what doesn't work about it? I ask you first, Miss Alexander Bohannon. What say you?
1: I really like the show. I think it is a wonderful foray, as you said, into having that narrative drama, and it doesn't take itself. I mean, it is a serious subject matter, but it does have a sense of lightheartedness and something that it's really easy to enjoy that kind. I would find myself, we're probably going to make a lot of talking about uh, House of Cards. It's just going to happen because that's like the closest um, similar... analog yeah. analog i was gonna say analog but then closest I, contemporary I, analog. my brain yeah. deleted it um yeah it's the closest contemporary to i'd say the subject matter so um but i unlike house of cards if i watch too much of it in a row i get kind of bogged down this doesn't really do that for me it kind of keeps my spirits high and it makes me keep looking forward to the next episode of course this show kind of pioneered if i'm not mistaken that kind of walkie-talkie fast-paced you know no one standing still having a conversation for too long and um we learn a lot of that exposition is in media res certainly which i love and i love enjoying that kind of exposition
2: definitely a, a feat of the auteur and i'll get to that in a second
1: Definitely. Um, I feel like the show is really tight. Of course, I've, this is only three episodes. So from what I've seen, the show is really tight, well shot, and constructed. Scripting is wonderful, and I don't really get bored, which can happen very easily, especially – I mean, I love politics, and obviously because I'm getting a degree in it. But um, it can get kind of dry and a little too much like C-SPAN, and I think it does a good job of balancing out mm-hmm. – what is dry and what is interesting and the people make it interesting so i i like the show a lot i would give it um four found pairs of glasses out of five yeah it's that good
0: very nicely played thank you very much miss bohan and mr dalton stewart what say you I thoroughly
2: enjoy the West Wing. As I mentioned, you know, this is my first real exposure to it, so I got to thank Dustin for that. Um, and it just so happened I wasn't in the middle of watching any other TV shows right now. So while I was sick this weekend, uh, spoiler alert, dear listener, I've been very ill, but I'm better now. I got I got better. Um, <laughs> um, I watched a lot of West Wing. I am on episode nine currently. Um I like it a lot. It's so watchable. It's very easy to binge watch because, as Alex mentioned, it is so fun to watch. It's, it's again, serious subject matter, but it's very lighthearted in that Sorkin way. Um, you know, that rat-a-tat, um, lightning-fast dialogue that he writes just makes his, his works really kind of endlessly watchable, I find. Um, even even in some of his lesser works, I find that they're all still very watchable because he writes fun characters and he writes characters with interesting uh, back and forth. So the only issues I have with it um, are really come down to problems you hear people talk about with Sorkin a lot, and that it's very preachy, uh, and that Sorkin um, is writing the smartest people in the room, and and they're the smartest people that they've been the smartest people in every room that they've ever been in, and they just so happen to find themselves in a room together, um, and and that's kind of a, a thing people bag on him for, but they bag on other uh, dialogists for that as well. Uh, Tarantino, Kevin Smith. Uh, Guys who write overly wordy dialogue, uh, which I enjoy. Um, you know, it's we, we don't get mad at you know bullet time in the Matrix. Why should I get mad at uh, people saying really smart things all the time? I, I don't know. I've I've never found that to be a fair criticism. What I do find to be a fair criticism is that The West Wing is very preachy uh, at times. Uh, that's something again that's working is. is Famous for doing is kind of, I wouldn't say condescending to his audience, but definitely um, lecturing
0: his audience. Oh, he's certainly heavy-handed. I don't. I think that's totally a fair criticism. Yeah,
1: Yeah, he's like the John Williams of directing. I'd say just with how or political ideology. Yeah, of of his writing
2: is exactly. uh, He's this is how you're supposed to feel about this issue, and this is why you should feel about this issue, and this is why you're an idiot if you don't feel this way about this issue. And also, I'm going to write the best president you've ever seen. And again, I'm only eight episodes in. Uh, but Martin Sheen is the best president ever. I have officially adopted him as my dad. Yeah, he's, he's the best. He's the nicest guy. He's super sweet. Even when he's an asshole, he's being an asshole for the right reasons. I mean, he is absolutely perfect. And, listener, I just want to remind you, his first scene in the entire series in the pilot comes at the very end of the show, and he walks into a meeting and says, I am the Lord your God, and you shall have no other gods before me. Now, that's a little bit heavy-handed, if you ask me.
1: Well, I, I don't think it's he's declared,
2: badass
0: is all get out, because he's he's correcting uh, a preacher who's yes. misquoting the Ten Commandments, which of course uh, Toby also is aware of, having you know paid attention in yeshiva school. Exactly.
1: Oh, I didn't know. I guess that makes sense. Toby went to yeshiva. If that's his heritage, but
2: yeah, well, and again, that that whole context of that conversation. By the way, Bradley Whitford's character from Connecticut, not New York, (laughs) right? So he (laughs) He wants to remind everyone, ah,
1: from Connecticut,
0: guys. Totally fine with the joke. Go (laughs) Whalers.
2: But uh, I guess that's really my only my only major beef. Um, As far as I am in the show, there doesn't really seem to be much of a central plot thread yet. Um, It it is something you could pick up and watch with the previously ons. You know what I mean? There there isn't a whole lot of serialization to it just yet. Just kind of minor story beats, not any overarching. Uh, character plot arcs just yet
0: The show tends to be sort of the issue of the day And then there's like a thread That they sort of kind of thread through a little bit And they mm-hmm. kind of touch on the the thread But it's, it's typically oriented around And there is this crisis or there is this bill Or there is this, you know, whatever event That needs to be taken care of
2: Well, and that, that's what I'm saying Most of those things, uh, as far as I am at Uh, are resolved within two or three episodes tops. Uh, I mean, the biggest, there's a bit of a military crisis that's wrapped up in two episodes, I believe. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I like the show a whole lot, uh, despite some of its flaws. And as Alex said, Aaron Sorkin is a master of the walk and talk, which makes dialogue so much more compelling. He's a lot of tracking shots. Uh, Again, he's, you know, he had the same director for the bulk of his run on the show. Um, It was him as the head writer, as co-writer, um, and then a the director were the three executive producers, and they pretty much did the entire f- first four seasons together. Um, amongst them, with you know, it's amazing. Eighty eight episodes. Aaron Sorkin is the showrunner on, and out of those eighty eight episodes, he wrote or co wrote eighty five of them. That is amazing. Mm-hmm. That is absolutely astonishing. He's a machine. That's uh, yeah. That's unbelievable to me. Um, so just a, a just a work of sheer just the sheer labor of it. I mean, is impressive. So I'm going to give it. 17 and a half needed house votes out of a possible 21
0: excellent excellent thank you very much mr dalton stewart of course i like the show very much or i would not have suggested or recommended it as everyone has said uh the the camera moves the way that they use the steady cam to pan from room to room or hallway to hallway Electric. for the walk and talk it's just it's fantastic um the dialogue itself is brilliant i want to just point out performances they're great all the way around um Thomas Schiff, uh, Richard Schiff, excuse me, Richard Schiff, Richard. who plays uh, Tobias, um, Toby Ziegler, uh, it wins an Emmy Award for this season. I love him. And,
2: he, and he's the most understated of all. He, he, he is the, le- the most low energy of all the characters.
0: He absolutely is, and he's, he's absolutely fantastic. You know, it, I, I, I watch him, and I think this is what would have happened to me if I'd been an introvert. You know, that sort of broodingness. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, that's, that's, that's what I, I really identify, and I really like Toby a lot. Um, I don't like Rob Lowe a whole lot, and that's for some things that happen a little while later. But, I mean, he does a fine job. I mean, I'm, I'm really, even mm-hmm. though I may not like him as much, Morgan Kelly's performance, uh, she only makes it for the first season. Yeah. And she's meh, you know, and written out, and it's fine.
2: I think that's more of an issue with her character, who I just find very grating. She's just kind of a dick.
0: They re- they rework the character later with Lily Tomlin. Um, oh, I love the, Lily Tomlin, which is basically the same character gotcha. only slightly different. And uh, they they finally get it nailed by then.
2: More Kelly's character does a thing that that Toby's character does sometimes, where it's just like needling at people uh, with this need to be right. And and when Toby, I don't I don't want you to think I, I don't want anybody to be listening, to like, "Whoa, Dalton's only bothered by it because it's a woman." Well, no, when Toby does it, it bugs a out of me too. Um, it's just that's all Moira Kelly's character is given to do, Mandy. That's all mm-hmm. Mandy's given to do is to be obnoxious and to harass, um, endlessly harass, Bradley Whitford's character, whose name escapes me. at the Josh. Moment, Josh. Uh, Josh Lyman. Um, and that's really bothersome to me, and, and I and I can see why they kind of amicably— wrote her out of the show. And I know Sorkin approached her and was like, Hey, I'm going to get rid of you. Are you cool with that? And she's like,
0: yeah, I'm cool with that
2: because you can tell they don't know what to do with her Yeah, all the time. Um, and I feel like she's a real weak point in this season as far as I'm at.
0: But, yeah, I really, really, really like the show a lot overall. The other complaint I have is a bit of scoring. I like Snuffy Walden's scoring for the most part. Um, It does get a little John Williams uh, emotional kind of manipulation. Oh, my gosh. And and (laughs) the the bit that they use after the cut to credits, um, this is a very, very obscure piece of evangelical traditionalism, but there was a radio program called Adventures in Odyssey. That a whole lot of us um, will know then some of us will not know, but it sounds like an episode of that, even when we 've just you know bombed Baghdad, even when we just found out some terrible you know secret out of the wine house, Cu oh, black, and then all of a sudden we have this very very whimsical story about an ice cream store um, type music. <laughs> It's it's, it's it's a little off-putting for that But, I mean, that's that's really kind of a subtle um, mm-hmm. For the most part, though, I like it I like the drums that he uses I like the horns that he uses And so I, I do like it a lot I'd probably give it a seven and a half Bummed cigarettes out of a possible eight And uh, I, I really, really uh, like the show uh, quite a bit So, all right, well, there you go, dear listener Pericles 1 <laughs> Pericles 1, mercy <laughs> sakes uh, there you go. You know now kind of where we stand with the show as far as our biases, which seem to be all pro. But let's move on and do what we do and bring some analysis. Bring God's very own thunder, Mr. Dalton Stewart. What say you?
2: I don't have that much thunder to bring. It's, it's really more of uh, Josh being irritated and throwing papers at someone. Uh, but, but I do want to say this. Uh, what Aaron Sorkin does really well, um, despite writing the smartest people in the room is making the people who get jobs that you have to be the smartest person in the room to get, uh, he makes those people relatable. Uh, And at the end of the day, especially with this first arc of episodes that we were assigned to watch, and even as far as I am, again, we we are technically talking about the first three episodes of the series. And again, I'm, I'm about five in further than that. In this first run of episodes, what I find the most striking is that it's a job. At the end of the day, it's a job. Uh, it's it is a job that is all consuming, um, but you know just like any cop drama or, or any other show or a you know medical procedural, it's just a job, and, and it is a consuming job, and it is something that takes a toll, unlike you know an average nine to five. Um, but you know these are just people going to work trying to get through the day, and trying to get along with each other the best they can, making families uh, of a sort because they're around each other so often, and trying to cooperate and and find common ground. Um, And there's a lot to take away from the show, but for me, that was what I was really struck by, was this is this really kind of unknowable world that we never are going to get to know. Uh, And it's not something we see a lot of. I mean, you don't hear about the president's uh, staff very often, um, even though they're some of the most important people in an administration because they're keeping the, the wheels running. Um, but at the end of the day, they're construction workers. They're architects. They're I don't know what other people do. I only know of like eight jobs. My point is this is a job. They're very good at it, and they're very smart. They're all lawyers, and they all went to Ivy League universities. But they're just people, uh, and they're just trying to do the best that they possibly can. Um, and, and that's something that I, I think is really interesting that Sorkin does is he sheds light on literally the most life and death uh, thing you could possibly imagine. The most important jobs in the world, um, being <laughs> the the chief of staff for you know one of the biggest countries on the planet, not to sp- mention one of the most powerful and influential countries on the planet. Um, But, you know, they do their job the same way people working at a paper company um, in Scranton, Pennsylvania would. Um, It's just a job, and they have to figure out a way to make that work. And I think that's really valuable to look at something that has so much impact on our day-to-day life when you think about it. I mean, supplant these for real people, and these are the people deciding, you know, how much gasoline is going to be. You know, their decisions are going to have – Far-reaching and long-lasting consequences But at the end of the day It's just a paycheck And it's something I feel strongly about But
0: Well, and I think the realism of the show itself Is, is very helpful You know, D.D. D. Myers Who was a White House mm-hmm. um, press secretary Under Bill Clinton Yes Is a, a consultant for the show And, uh, yeah, I think, I think There's a whole lot of that relatability to that And, in fact, you know You cram people in a room together And they have to work together it's Sort of like, I don't know, a podcast And uh, you kind of make family And uh, it's kind of a wonderful thing
2: well, that's and that's exactly why I went, thought of The Office, just because it's a show that ran for as long, um, and people have similar connections to emotionally. I know people really love The West Wing. People who watched it while it was on, um, and and that's what I thought about was all the. I mean, there's so many show workplace drama shows, and The West Wing is often billed as a political drama, but I think at the end of the day, it's a workplace drama more than anything. And I find that very valuable to kind of demystify this world that we don't ever get to see anything of.
0: Well, excellent. Thank you very much, Mr. Dalton Stewart. Ms. Alexandra Bohannon, what analysis bring you?
1: Well, I just wanted to talk a little bit. I don't have as thorough of an analysis as I would like this evening, but overall I'm going to talk about the themes within the three-episode arc that we just watched, and probably I could probably extend this to the show in general from what I've read and what I've seen. This show is extremely optimistic. Um, mm-hmm. To maybe a, maybe a, a vice, but I don't care. I kind of like it, and I and my argument is that we kind of need it. I think we kind of need a political conversation that isn't entrenched in how low a president's approval rating is. Where I'm sure in further seasons we get to elections and it comes up, and uh, mm-hmm. you know forecasting and all this stuff that you know would fall into those categories but at the end of the day you're right it is about the people and it is also about how these people are doing good which at the time I was not as politically aware as I was just growing up when the show was on Um, but I would say that this probably. (laughs) I
0: was voting when the show was. He was a registered voter when
2: this premiered.
1: I would probably say that this was closer to what people thought of whenever they thought of the president. They thought of, you know, respecting his office and, you know, the hard work these men and women put in. And, you know, it may be a. A parallel to the fact that, yeah, there is some shady stuff that's going on that we need to show, and that it's not just, oh, the president is God, as we (laughs) have established in the very first line of dialogue POTUS says to us. Um, So there is this need for a light with a dark, but I fear that in the current climate that we're in, where um, I'm sorry if you have a problem with the president, but I don't because he's a man that deserves our respect, regardless of if you agree with his policies or not. I had a I had a ex-boyfriend tell me once that he wouldn't shake the president's hand, Barack Obama specifically, that president. Um, and I was like, oh, you so what if you were actually met with the president of the United Why States? were you
2: dating that person? I had a lot of... I've...
1: Listener, I'll, I'll make no comment on that. Listener, if you
2: knew me when I was 15 years old, I talked a lot of shit on George W. Bush. I was shaking his hand so fast. It's not every day you get to meet the leader of the free world, and I respected the office of the president because it's the goddamn office of the president, and you show it some respect. That's right. Right,
1: and you know, going even a little further, closer to home, while I do not agree with Mary Fallon, and it's really difficult for me to. Like her, I, you do have to extend some re- respect to the governor of Oklahoma and tomorrow is election day. So, um, I'll just stop there anyway, <laughs> but I feel like we're in this really rough place. We're in this really, really rough place right now in, mm-hmm. in the United States where we have this low perception of anyone that's a tied to politics, yep. anyone that's tied to anything um re- regarding especially the federal level the state level it's hilarious no one ever pays attention to the state level it's less of the governor's race because those are the biggest crooks anyway i'm just saying wait the state legislators absolutely oh you
2: can have a lot more skeletons in your closet and you know be in the state legislature than the okay i was totally
1: gonna say this first fired up but i have to say it now because it's a perfect piece uh john oliver the cr- the broadcasting talking head on last week tonight on hbo i love you john oliver oh you're gonna love this he just came out with an election special that's all about state legislators and legislatures Bless. and yeah. it, it dropped last night and it has two references to oklahoma of course sally kern is in it but the other was uh josh burkeen who did the Muslim, muslim yeah the sharia law thing. the well the one that he's like i think um, Islam is a disease, and it must be cut out. <laughs> that was really recent, and okay, but you have to watch it. Seventeen uh, minutes. It's worth your time. That's where I'm from, um, but again, that kind of show and like all the stuff we see with all these political um, comedy shows, it just paints this really grim picture of American politics and. I think that's why the West Wing kind of endures is because it has this optimism that I would argue is needed in this day and time. That's why mm-hmm. House of Cards is really tough for me to watch. It's hard. I, I mean, I love it. It's really good. And it's, I mean, it's excellent. It's a great show. At the same time is, I don't know if it's an equally balanced portrayal of back, the backdoor machinations of the legislature at the the federal level whereas i know this is probably not an accurate portrayal of you know the happy go lucky trials and tribulations of the president and his his staff but at the same time i feel like they need each other that yin and yang is really needed otherwise we just get really we're either too full of hope and we're totally disillusioned with the state of things as they actually are in, like, Nixon, Watergate. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe that happened. Or we're thinking the Congress approval rating is worse than, like, mosquitoes or something ridiculous <laughs> or, <laughs> or leeches. It's, like, 14%. I believe and they're worse
0: than used car salesmen and prostitutes.
1: Yes. High-class high call, class girls, call or girls or otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, you want quality, not – okay, anyway. Um...
2: <laughs> Just saying you pay people to uh... – never mind. Okay, we're just going to we're just going to skate go right past right over that right along, yeah.
1: Um <laughs> but the disillusionment with the president and the fact that the president this midterm election has only been invited out to the liberal of liberal states because him stumping is like a really bad thing because everyone's like B- Barack Obama is the double incarnate or whatever. Yeah,
2: everyone, everyone, every uh, Republican incumbent or otherwise is running against Barack Obama, period. Including
0: the Oklahoma governor's race. Exactly. Yes.
1: Although, to be fair, Dorman is also running against Janet Barisi. I'm just No, yeah,
2: well, every democrat running in a in a red state is running against the uh, democratic powers that be. I mean, they they have to if they want to have a snowball's chance in hell of winning.
1: Right.
0: Well, I was going to say Alex, um it, I think you're spot on in your analysis and I think there's a there's a certain um idealism and a cynicism are, are, are the kind of the adjectives that I would want to use? Is that the, you know, the West Wing is, is quite yeah. um, idealistic, and that uh, it politics becomes a conversation about the big issues. It becomes a great conversation, which is a phrase Toby will use a lot mm-hmm. later on in the series. And what House of Cards and other you know sort of political dramas do it, is it becomes again about these sort of Machiavellian you know machinations, and uh, it, it's not really about you know. Uh, Kevin Spacey's character... Frank Underwood. Frank Underwood. Underwood um, F you. Uh, who, 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 yeah. Who, who doesn't really Francis. seem to care about anything as much as he cares about power. Power. And, uh, the he, big mansion. And, and, and Yeah, the, the, the acquiring of more and more power. And that seems to be more his agenda than anything else, which, again, I think is probably accurate description of a great many congressmen from a great many oh, states. Oh, don't get
1: me wrong, listener. I know that people like Frank Underwood exist, but also, and probably in the entire series of House of cards there isn 't anyone that is good at mm-hmm. all <laughs> i mean i 've only seen i 've only seen the first season but but,
0: but- I, I think you 're right though I think we need some of that na- naivete. I think mm-hmm. we need some of that um, idealism where we actually have a high conversation about our ideals there 's a later character, Ainsley Hayes, who is a Republican attorney who ends up working in the white house counsel 's office and she 's able to voice articulately you know, conservative positions in conversation. later Matthew Perry does some similar things as well. Oh Matthew House Perry kid. shows up? Yeah, he's and yeah, and and his handsomeness is played up. Aww. And it's pretty fantastic. But um those moments though are used as um, sort of opportunities to elevate conversation. Mm-hmm. That that really what politics is about is about working this stuff out. And then of course the, the show deals with sort of the 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 standard um metaphor they use is no one wants to see how the sausage is made you know how laws are made Mm -hmm. and so they talk about the ugly nitty-gritty of politics and the sort of back and forth and the deal making that goes on in smoke-filled rooms and
2: there is a lot of that in the west wing i mean that's the bulk of the the series house of cards is that kind of stuff and there is that in the west wing i mean we're gonna give them you know a hundred million dollars to keep this turnpike open if they vote yes on our bill and we see that and I I think that's something uh, you you both have mentioned. I think that's something that's really valuable about the West Wing is it's idealistic. I wouldn't even say it's naive, though, Dustin. I think there is a a bit of a discussion about, you know, this is not pleasant work that we're doing. I mean, we're making sausage. Um, But at the end of the day, some of these people are doing it because they think that they're pointing uh, the free world in a better direction.
0: Right, which I think is is different from the cynicism of House of mm-hmm. Cards. And then probably somewhere in the middle you have an accurate depiction of uh, contemporary American politicians is the point I, hope I would so. make. Is that somewhere in the middle they they are somewhat idealistic about certain things, and then they are totally willing to do what they do. And honestly, the way it probably works out, Alex, I don't know if, if, you, if you agree with this statement or not, is that prior to election that they are the ideologues. And then post-election they become the servants of their corporate sponsors mm-hmm. and political party um, platforms.
1: Mitch McConnell, um, (laughs) he keeps on spouting, at least in those stumping speeches, about getting elected because if they win the majority, then he'll be a majority leader, as the Republican, etc. Um, And he keeps on stumping about how this is a good choice for Kentucky because he'll be able to vote in the people, the Kentuckians' interests as the majority leader, and he would be able to do everything right. And then as soon as the election's over, and I mean, that that uh, race is being forecast so tightly right now, who's going to know? You will know as you are time traveling to the future, or the past with us right now. Mitch McConnell talks in an ideological fashion to win over Kentuckian voters, and um, he'll go back to not doing that whenever the election is over.
0: Thank you for bringing analysis that did not feel like you were just docking somebody's allowance. I appreciate that (laughs) very, very much. Uh, The analysis that I want to bring is uh, I want want to talk a little bit about uh, just casting And uh, the faces that we see Mm -hmm. in the series, because um, what it does is it inspires some later movements in uh, political newscasting, uh, what we see with um, handsomeness and attractiveness and the depiction of characters. Now, we've already talked about how um, Sorkin has got this idealism, and of course, it's a democratic present. It's obviously a left wing liberal um, sort of ideology. Uh, neoliberal um, I sort say, of television. Uh, I was about
2: to say Bartlett seems fairly moderate. He's he's
0: a moderate. Yeah, he, yeah. he he's a Clinton liberal. You yeah, know, uh, which is which is super moderate. And uh, I, I'm sorry to your listeners, some of you are, are are losing your minds right now. But Bill Clinton was a moderate. Yeah, very didn't moderate. Deal with it. And Bartlett is
2: essentially, the more I watch it, the more I'm like, he's like Clinton with just a dash of FDR and a little bit of Ike. Like he's he's kind of he's kind of sexy like Clinton, but he's but he's, you know, he's like sweet and grandfatherly. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's, a little bit. He's got swag, and he's, but he's also a dork. Right, um, but
0: without FDR's ideology, I would say. No, I, yeah.
2: absolutely. I meant there's kind of like that, that patronly quality. Yes,
0: and also the medical illness. But we'll just, you'll hear more about that. I'm aware. Enjoyed. That's
2: something the show's very famous
0: for. And, uh, so, and that's also something that's very, very near and dear to my heart. My mother died of the disease. So um, it's something that means a lot to me. But nonetheless, what I would say about the show is this, is that um, as the show begins and sort of throughout, and it sort of makes amends at places. And I mentioned Ainsley Hayes and also Matthew Perry, who are both very attractive people and uh, very, very, very attractive uh, Republicans cast in the film or rather television series. See, I did it already. I knew I was going to. I knew you were going
2: to. I was waiting for it. Because
0: that's all I do, right? Uh, But what's what's fascinating is that uh, with the exception of Richard Schiff, who plays Toby – All of the Democrats depicted in this television series are incredibly... Attractive human beings They're not TV attractive
2: And I don't know If that's intentional or not Well
0: when you contrast them With the Republicans Whose eyes are too close Whose foreheads are too tall Gotcha And they're fat Whose waistlines are too long Yeah uh, For instance When uh, there's a a section In which the Speaker of the House Plays a very very important Constitutional role In the show And I'm again Trying to avoid spoilers That character Who's a Republican Is played by John Goodman When uh, Bartlett has an opponent It is uh, um, a much less virile And and uh hair dude styled version of Rick Perry that plays that role when uh Jimmy Smits the very very attractive latin american Jimmy, Jimmy Smits is running as the candidate uh to follow uh, Mr. Barton Litt. he is uh he is opposed by Alan Alda and uh, hey, man. and I like Alan Alda but the man mm. is not handsome. He's no Jimmy Smits though. That's that's Whew. for sure. And and, and sort of this sort of casting Wait. goes on throughout the series. Hold on.
2: I'm gonna go ahead and stop the spoiler alert real fast. I don't. Uh, Jimmy Smith ends up winning, right?
0: Yeah. Sorkin,
2: come on! What universe are you living in that the Dems take the White House three terms in a row? Republicans
0: did it once. Okay, never mind. You're right. Reagan Bush. Yeah, that's true.
2: That was a fucked up time.
0: But again, talking about casting. And uh, handsomeness or the lack thereof, and again, they make a thing of it. Where we have mm-hmm. a long leggy blonde at one point, and then we have Matthew Perry, um, whom Donna Moss um, sort of moons over and saying, "Telling Josh, you really ought to hire this guy," <laughs> and uh, it's it's quite funny uh, when that all goes down. Versus generally um, very attractive, or at least you know not unattractive. You know, John Spencer uh, as Leo McGarry is not what you'd call, I, I, I guess, sort of a classic sort of handsome, but he's got this sort of uh, uh, Tracer Spence Tr- Tracy Spencer Yes Spencer Tracy Spencer Tracy. Tracy I'm John Spencer me- Yes Spencer Tracy He's got this sort of Spencer Tracy well, st- Sort of uh, You know Charisma Stalker
2: Channing makes a Fred Astaire joke Yeah, yeah. And it is, oh, yeah. it's
0: totally there And so those those things are all present And and so so the casting of these characters Versus their Red Republican counterparts um, Definitely does um, some ideological work Which was picked up by a major news network Three years old at the time of the uh, first release of the show Which is the Fox News Network In which they made a strategy Of making sure that they had women with thyroid problems Whose eyes were a little buggy If they were going to be Democratic talking heads Or if they did a show like Hannity and Combs they made sure that Sean Hannity, this very, very all-American, all-attractive sort of man Versus, talking comparatively, Alan Combs I mean, which one of those dudes would you buy a drink, Dalton? Ugh. Come on now
2: Hannity's an, ugh.
0: I mean, you may not like him No, he looks weird Well, he's got a big chin But uh, he's definitely sort of that square-jawed American look But Alan Combs he looks, is weird-looking
2: I don't trust people that look like they would have called me faggot in junior high I'm sorry well,
0: there's a fair point there. Uh, also, you know, there's, a, there's these sort of roundtable uh, sort of shows that we have uh, that, and I don't watch a whole lot of uh, cable Fox news. Fox and Friends. Fox and Friends. Well, I was, I was thinking of the evening show, and there is a, uh, there's a there's heavy set suspender wearing um, Democrat, mm-hmm. um, and I forget his name, and it doesn't even matter to me. But he is versus um, three very, very leggy Republican women and another very attractive Republican man. Leggy, 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 leggy. Blondie, 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 blondie. Leggy blonde. However, the point being is that they use casting in a way to uh, sort of influence um, ideological sympathy. Sorkin show does the same thing with the West Wing. Fox News, uh, Rupert Murdoch's organization, does the same thing. And it's all based on some things that happened in 1960 or 59 when uh, there was a very famous presidential debate mm-hmm. between Richard M. Nixon. He was
1: sweating so much.
0: And John F. Kennedy. If you heard it on the radio, Nixon beat him. And, I, and I, you know, I've listened to the debate. Nixon beat him. I mean, if you want to just talk about dialogue and debating skill and what is said, Nixon won. But if you watch it on the telly, Kennedy won because, well, Nixon looks like Nixon. He look, well, oh. I mean, he was played by Anthony Hopkins in the movie. Uh, and that, Frank Langella. Yes. Yeah, so, right. And then we have John F. Kennedy. And John F. Kennedy is John F. Kennedy, JFK, and 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 Marilyn Monroe. I mean, what what more need we say? And so, uh. it, it it really kind of reflects. I think a really negative aspect of American Boy. politics where it is to an extent a beauty contest. Now, that being said, if you take a look at our congressional representatives, um, the elderly white men that we have, mm-hmm. uh, there, there, there may be some pull in that. But again, these guys get less television coverage. Mm-hmm. You start talking about national level elections mm-hmm. and you begin to see that um, one's handsomeness makes a big difference. And uh, or well or or beauty, uh, there are far less uh, women who are involved in politics. But when John McCain picked his running mate, mm-hmm. words were said, mm-hmm. acronyms were used, mm-hmm. and uh, the point I think is 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 precisely that.
2: I mean, let's be honest, folks. Barry's no slouch. Barry's a good-looking man.
0: Yeah, Barry's a handsome man.
2: Barry looked good, and. <laughs> <laughs> and after McCain lost, they put up uh, Uncle Haircut next to him.
0: I think Mitt Romney was a good candidate to run against Barack Obama, though, because Mitt Romney has this sort of Reed Richards, you know, fantastic yeah, he's, four. He's handsome know, if, you're no, if you're a he's, rich white person. He's yeah.
1: handsome in the he's way handsome. that he was manufactured in a, in a presidential lab to run for president. He looks like a president. He's handsome like His Kennedy His last was name is a president. Mitt, I mean, that's American to a T. Like, that he was engineered. He was
0: named after the shape of the state. In a wait really line. Michigan Michigan looks like a mitt if you ever if you've never had a conversation with somebody from Michigan oh yeah, when yeah, they tell you where you, they're from they, they the, do this yeah. and they show you they point at their hand. I am holding up my palm of my hand no, like a, I've never, a heard it. families
1: from Michigan that's
2: a thing people do
0: yes, everyone from Michigan does this.
2: People from Michigan stop doing that that's dumb well, well
0: we have the state paint looks handle. like a mitt other than the u p yeah. which looks like
2: this when people ask me where I'm from, I don't go find a fucking pot. <laughs> you do this <laughs> no, I say Oklahoma sorry. <laughs> I don't go find a fucking pot. You're right, though. Mitt Romney's attractive like in the same way that Nick uh, Kennedy was attractive. Yeah, was absolutely like, he is. Yeah, he's a- 50-year-old a- white guy attractive. A-
0: and, and to Alex's point, there is there is definitely grooming that goes on par, um goes um there's definitely grooming that happened with the Obamas, uh, both Michelle and Barack, mm-hmm. uh, because to, to again to, to sort of generate their handsomeness and uh, beauty. And you know M- Michelle Obama be fly. I'm not gonna lie. No, I mean every Michelle every Obama's girl, arms. Am I right, the ladies? The
1: Michelle Obama arm workout is real. Oh.
0: But that that being said, the way she's manicured, the way she's mm-hmm. pressed and dressed, and, and the same with uh, with uh the president, it, it, it's it it's this manufacturing of uh window dressing. Mm-hmm. That is less substantive. Yeah. And, and you know, let's, let's not negate the fact that most of the conversation that was held about President Barack Obama was his race. Yes. And that we don't. And I, this is where I come back to the show again, where the major conflict in the show was about the hiring of Charlie Young in the mm-hmm. third episode and whether or not it would be okay for a black guy to be opening up the door and carrying the bags of the president mm-hmm. and the conversations had with Fitz, Cunta Uh Thank you for that reference, Mr. You're welcome. Yeah,
2: that's the Amos. I can't think of this for John Amos. Who plays older Kunda Kinte in uh roots yeah
0: but he he says a thing you know I don't have I have real battles to fight and I don't have time for this cosmetic stuff and would that we all stop having so much time for blooming cosmetics
2: that's that's one of those sorkin um preaching uh optimism moments I think but yeah it's because if I'll tell you right now if that happened there would be more conversations about it in the media mm. uh, for weeks for yeah. weeks. Um, but yeah, it, it sh- if only we could say we don't have time for this cosmetic stuff. I have actual problems I have to address.
0: And to that bit of preaching from Mister Sorkin, I say, uh huh, and amen. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. And so, you know, the analysis I want to bring is this: is is that the 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 show is guilty and demonstrates uh, a, a trend in American politics mm-hmm. in which, again, the good guys are the people that are beautiful.
2: Well, I, I want to, Dustin. I mean, something I want a later episode. Still early in the first season, um, CJ's basically whole day is talking to InStyle magazine about what the first lady's going to be wearing. That's her whole day. She can't get rid of them. They keep following her around. So
0: yeah, and so there is a criticism of some of that sort of uh, flash and flair mm-hmm. that goes on as well. But then when they decide to pick someone to play the Speaker of the House, they choose John Goodman, and he's not a good guy. And there's a reason for yeah. that. Yeah, and I—I mean, I love John Goodman, but but I'm not buying that guy a drink. Nah, and that's—I think that's—that's sort of the point I'm trying to make. I—I think that's totally valid. Yeah. So, okay, well, guys, thank you so much for that analysis. This has been really a a fantastic conversation. This is not a political podcast. No, Um, it's just hard not to get into it when we did a show about politics. uh, Yeah, it's precisely about that, and so we hope we've um, retained your listenership, dear listener, and uh, perhaps have not um, outed ourselves too much as to our political spectrums. But, um, needless to say. Uh, this show is 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 ripe with this sort of conversation, whether you come from the right or the left, because I think there's definitely important conversations to be had about it, and we'd like to hear what.
2: And at the end of the day, we're all voting for the People's Republic of China anyway, so what does it matter?
0: <laughs> <laughs> and, and so, you know, we'd like to hear what you think of our analysis, dear listener. We have some guesses about your um your evaluation.
3: What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul.
0: And with that, we're going to move on to the point of the show where we make a verdict. And that verdict we make will be shelf or trash, else or instead, with The West Wing. I ask you, Dalton Stewart, shelf or trash, what are your else's or instead's?
2: I'm going to say shelf. Obviously, shelfing a TV series is quite a bit more of an ordeal than shelfing a film. Uh, But I guess what I'm saying is you should definitely watch The West Wing because I feel like there's certainly something to be gained from that. Uh, For recommended else viewing, I am going to recommend House of Cards. Uh, We have talked about it a lot this evening. Uh, and it is basically the exact polar opposite. It's a one-man show as opposed to an ensemble cast. It is very cynical as opposed to being uh, idealistic. Um, and it's much more soapy than realistic. But uh, Kevin Spacey is just having the time of his life on that show. You can tell he's he's having a ball. And um, there is something to be said for uh, how... Kind of sexy Frank Underwood's character is in that he gets shit done no matter how evil he is about doing it. At oh, it's a for sexy, me.
1: sexy show. I mean, he
2: makes stuff happen mm-hmm. at the very least. He, there's no government shutdowns on his watch when he's the whip. I'll tell you that much because uh, he whips them votes. Power. Um, else, I, I am going. Other else's, I'm going to recommend anything uh, by Aaron Sorkin, particularly. And this isn't a series I followed much. Uh, But I've seen the first two or three episodes of Newsroom, um, which is his current outing uh, on HBO, which has kind of been lambasted for how preachy it is, uh, because it's set like two years back in the news cycle. So basically, Sorkin can say, this is what you should have done two years ago, um, which is kind of funny.
0: It's nice to Monday morning quarterback, isn't it?
2: Uh, Yeah, but that opening speech that... um, That opening speech that uh, Jeff Daniels gives in the very first episode is some really powerful stuff, and uh, it's something I think about all the time, actually. So yeah, I mean, Newsroom is really, really, really preachy, uh, but what I've seen of it, I really like, and I think it's a good sampler of of what makes Sorkin a a fabulous writer and what makes his work interesting. Um, And and I'd say that's it for me. I'd say go with anything by Sorkin, but in this instance, because of its political crossover, Newsroom, and and watch... uh, um, watch House of Cards because it's so soapy and silly and wonderful and beautiful.
0: Thank you very much, Mr. Dalton Stewart. Ms. Alexandra Bohannon, what do you say? Shelf or trash, else or instead?
1: Definitely shelf it. It's got a place in echelons of TV history for a reason, and it is good, and it is worth your time. Um, Consider watching it today and getting more informed about some aspects of the political process, even if they're fictionalized. I would also suggest to you, if you wanted to pair some others with this film, of course, a uh, film. Uh, I did it too. Um, this, it is what we do, right? Oh, my gosh. I almost just replaced film with movie. Force with, of habit, bro. This television series. You could also, obviously, watch House of Cards. You could also watch... Um, we. There's the British form of House of Cards mm-hmm. as well. That is cons- uh, worth a watch. I haven't seen it myself. There's a lot of British... Um, West Wing-esque type dramas that are set in number 10, which is the, the White House of the Prime Minister in, in the UK, um, one of which is one of my favorite shows of all time. Yes, Prime Minister, I will always watch that show. It's back and forth, talky, fast-paced kind of action, but it's in the 70s and... 80s so. also- it's that
0: famous british dialogue they make all these no coward jokes and so yeah that's where it's you know part of the, There's also of the show. in the
2: loop which is kind of uh, and it's the series that uh preceded it um british in the loop was a 2000 ish late 2000s um film and it was one of those british kind of comedy political uh Procedurals. I can't for life remember the name of damn series, so I shouldn't even start talking.
1: No, it's okay. Um, and last but not least, I'd recommend House because House definitely um, takes that whole walkie-talkie, you know, really intelligent, fast-paced, witty conversation uh, to another level. Because honestly, just watching a bunch of people in white coats sitting around in a lab room talking differential diagnosis would be really boring unless House wasn't walking with his cane and berating them for their stupid opinions.
0: Thank you very much. I am, of course, going to say Shelf as well. In fact, it already is on my shelf. I own the first season and is definitely worth uh, your ownership uh, for lots of reasons. So I like it. I like it a lot, a lot, 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 lot. So definitely Shelf it. And then I would say, um, you know, in addition to House of Cards and other political shows that have already been named, I'm going to name a show that's currently on the airwaves right now, Madam Secretary, on Sunday nights.
1: Oh, yeah. I wondered how that was. Some people said it was kind of meh.
0: It's it's not bad. I don't I don't I don't I don't mind it very much at all. And I'm also going to mention the Good Wife.
1: Uh, oh yeah, that sounded really good too. And it is a
0: super good show. I like
2: Julianne Lisa a lot. I've just never gotten around to the series, but have I've heard great things about it. Any of you guys
1: watched Veep?
2: I have seen the pilot of Veep and I liked it a lot, and I just never got around to watching more of it for some Same reason. Here.
0: So those are all really excellent recommends, I think, uh, for the show, and I hope, dear listener, that you take all this homework to heart and uh, take your own little civics lesson through the world of television. Yes. Okay, well, let's move on and talk about some feedback coming in uh, from uh, the various means of social media by which a conversation may be held and had. Mr. Arthur Gordon, back from the producer's booth. Um, Make your way through the soundproof glass, sir. I hope you can see the movement of my lips as you make your way here. And uh, let us know if there's any means of social media by which we might have a conversation.
3: First and foremost, you can find us on Gmail. You can email us your uh, commentary and comments on the show uh, at goodtrashgenrecast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, uh, facebook.com forward slash Good Trash Genre Cast. One word. Um, We do have a bit of feedback. Brigham uh, shared a link to an interview or excerpts from an interview with Stephen King uh, in which he comments on the documentary uh, Room 237? Yes. Room 237. I slipped my mind for a minute. Uh, Mm -hmm. I showed a documentary that we've actually done here on the show before. Yes. Uh, One that I disliked very strongly. uh, One that Stephen King uh, has no patience for as well. Awesome. And that he said that he turned it off about halfway through and said that uh, the academia is for the birds, essentially. And so it's an interesting little uh, article that Brigham shared with us. Otherwise, we had a few likes and a few uh, little interests there. So uh, we'd like to see more, of course. So if you have comments, please share. Uh, Get involved with us and join the conversation at Facebook, if you will.
0: Also... Please send birthday wishes to that email address, and I would appreciate that very, very much. Mr. Dalton Stewart, do you know anything else about social means by which we might have a conversation?
2: No, Dustin, I don't because the social media you use was too busy being
0: indicted for tax fraud. Oh my goodness! We did not talk about that, but move right along, sir. That's excellent. Uh, you thank you. I thought you'd like that,
2: uh, ladies and gentlemen. The social media that I use that's never done anything wrong ever because Zuckerberg doesn't own it is Twitter. And ladies and gentlemen, you can find the Good Trash Genre Cast at Twitter on Twitter at Good Underscore Trash. Uh, we have a bit Aww. of uh, feedback coming in, uh, a little bit of private feedback, you could call it, from uh, Nick Sanford at he wanted he messaged us and wanted to let us know that in his opinion, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre episode that just posted, listener, is our best episode yet. It is the first episode that has completely one hundred percent blown his dick off. Which sounds more sexual than it is. Uh, that's a phrase me and Nick that use. That sounds lot. uncomfortable. Uh, that
1: sounds like, from what I read, read not watch uh, from the synopsis of the Antichrist.
2: Ooh, god! <laughs> oh my word! Uh, that's a phrase me and uh, Nick use a lot for just complete and utter uh,
1: annihilation. No,
2: just profound like light bulb moments, um, just epiphanies, and just complete Mind blown. like yeah, exactly. Just like oh wow, I never thought of something that way. Um. So thank you, Nick. I really appreciate that. Um, uh, I didn't feel like it was my strongest episode, Alex. I know you didn't either, but I'm glad you thought that. Uh, we both talked off-air how we were like, yeah, we've had better shows. But uh, I really appreciate that feedback, man. Thank you. Yes,
1: that lights up my soul, and you light up my life, Nick.
2: Coming in from the Twitter, though, uh, we have a bit of feedback. Uh, not much, though, uh, really. Uh, Brad Lepperson <laughs> wrote in an entry for our Mask Games from last week. He wanted to say that Hannibal's mask from Silence of the Lambs cannot be overlooked. Excellent point. Love the suit. Uh, Good point, Brad. I thought about that one, and I let it slide for some reason. Uh, And Caleb Masters had a chance to go catch a press screening of Birdman uh, and wrote in, hosts, listeners, and anyone who has any interest in the entertainment industry won't want to miss Birdman, and gave us a link to the trailer for that. I'm looking forward to that quite a great deal. just have not got around to seeing it yet. Agreed. And that is all the feedback we have
0: coming in from Twitter this week. Of course, dear listener, remember that you can follow us by subscribing at iTunes, also Stitcher Internet Radio, and uh, you can give us a rating, especially there at iTunes. We have this rating palooza. Plan that we have put together. This is going to be episode number ninety-six of the Good Trash Honor Cast, and so between episodes numbers ninety-nine and one hundred, we'd like for you to wait until then to go ahead and post those five-star or whatever as accurately reflects your opinion reviews. I
2: like to think of it as more of a ratings city limits than a ratings palooza.
0: That's, that, that, there's probably some accuracy to that, or a ratings aru, or Lilith ratings. <laughs> I like that one too. <laughs> But whatever it happens to be – go ahead and give us that rating uh, in that week because that's going to help increase our exposure and it's going to work very well with the uh, logarithms uh, algorithms that uh, iTunes uses for its recommended uh, podcasts.
2: Yeah anytime a a show's numbers uh, take a huge spike you get a good chance of showing up on the podcast front page so listeners please do that episodes 99 and 100.
0: But dear listener we'd just like for you to go ahead and give those ratings um, at that time um, waiting until that moment um, so that it would all come at once and uh, that way it's going to help us Out uh, in crazy ways, and so we really, really appreciate that. But let's move on as the hour grows late. I realize now, guys, I'm so excited to say this it's time to play the game. Time to play
3: the game. Time to play the game.
0: This week's game is our favorite depictions of POTUS in film or television.
2: That's right, favorite depictions of POTUS in film and television. Brought to you by The West Wing. The West Wing, when you need the best... I love breast presidents. (laughs) The West Wing, when you need the best president ever written, call Aaron Sorkin. (laughs)
1: Last week yours got me and this one got me too.
2: (laughs) I loved... Doing a newsy voice is one
0: of my favorite voices, period. Thank you very much, Mr. Dalton Stewart. We now move to that game. Miss Alexandra Bohannon, what are your picks?
1: My film for the game about favorite film president depictions, I would say The Butler, because I saw it recently, Lee Daniels, Lee Daniel, thank you. Um, And he has a whole, he has generations of, presidents in this film uh James Marsden plays John F. Kennedy and Alan Rickman plays Ronald Reagan which you don't think would work but actually does pretty well and he has other what do you think have you seen that movie
2: no I was just gonna make a joke about uh Snape being a dark wizard
1: oh that makes sense moving right along um there are a lot of great presidential depictions in that film and I guess besides that and Idiocracy, uh, those have oh, some— Oh, good
2: pick. Terry Crews is the president of Idiocracy. I like that.
1: Yeah. Going to have some realism and surrealism in my presidential picks tonight.
0: Well, thank you very much, Ms. Alexandra Bohannon. Mr. Dalton Stewart, what are your picks?
1: Alexandra had
2: uh, realism and uh, surrealism. I'm just going to have awesome and awesomer. Um, I don't really go for biopics very often, uh, or biopics, as I often obnoxiously hear them referred to. Um, but I really, really like Steven Spielberg's Lincoln, um, and not the least of which because Daniel Day-Lewis turns in a hell of a performance and restrained in a way you haven't seen him be in a long time. Restrained in
0: that his voice sounds like someone is gently squeezing his balls. <laughs>
2: well, also... Ooh,
1: whoa!
0: That's because that's what Lincoln sounded like. <laughs> but I'm just saying. Wait, how
1: do you know what Lincoln sounded like? Because I know what gentle,
0: gentle squeezing of balls sounds like. People, ro- people wrote things. <laughs> You know,
2: following his, his performance as Daniel Plainsview um There Will Be Blood, in which we just see, and I'm sure Paul Thomas Anderson encouraged it, because that's what he does. I mean, we just, chewing the scenery, go for broke, absolutely gonzo Daniel Day-Lewis. And don't be me wrong, I love his performance in that movie. But but the performance he turns in, in Lincoln is is so dialed down, mm-hmm. and, and is not the way that film easily could have been, or maybe might have been, if... Um, Lee Neeson had played him as was originally intended. I just I really find something valuable in and Day Lewis's performance there, and and I like Lincoln a lot. You know, it, it is kind of that stuffy, you know, period piece that you would expect it to be, but it's a good movie, and I liked it a lot, and uh, it avoided a lot of the pitfalls it very easily could have fallen into, and portrays Lincoln. Very much in that, um, almost kind of that House of Cards way we're expected to, in, in which just because it was eighteen sixty five does not mean we weren't doing the same kind of back door deals and smoky rooms uh, that were, you know, we just assume happen now.
1: The rooms were probably smokier. Oh, they were most
2: certainly were, uh, because Grant was in them. My last pick um, is for the man, the myth, the legend, Lone Star, aka Bill Paxton. I mean, Bill Pullman. a little joke for you guys. In Independence Day, because, one, he's definitely the youngest president ever. (laughs) Listener, you missed a lot of things that got cut out. But he fights damn aliens, and he's awesome, and he gives a sweet speech, and then uh, he is the smartest man in the room. And you know how I know that? Because he lets Jeff Goldblum save the day.
0: There is wisdom there. When in doubt, go Goldblum. Dalton out. Thank you very much, Mr. Dalton Stewart. My picks are um, cinematic picks, and I want to mention uh, Michael Douglas in an American President, also written by the great uh, Aaron Sorkin, and he wrote that, I believe so. No kidding. And uh, also, I love Kevin Kline as Dave. In uh, the comedy Dave, which is just fantastic, and then I cannot but mention My Fellow Americans with the great James Garner and Jack Lemmon, which are two fantastic ex-presidents running together, perhaps as president, but they can't decide who's going to be the VP. And it's a hilarious comedy, and it's one of my favorite movies. What's the movie called? Uh, my Fellow Americans. I didn't even see
2: that. It sounds awesome. It's fun. I like times. those two guys. It's 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 sort of grumpy so wait, old men. They, they both did a term as president. Mm-hmm. And they're going to run on the same ticket together. Yes, that's. Awesome. Well, eventually they
0: are. They don't like each other to start with. But
2: they all have one term. They both each both of them have one. They're eligible for another term. Right.
0: And they're going to run as a third party, the presidential party. That's. Which awesome. is hilarious. That's so funny. When did that come out? Uh, I don't know. Nineties. That's that's kind of mid nineties based
2: on their ages. I need to check that out. Yeah, it's fun
0: times. It's really, really fun times. So those are my picks. Dear listener, I believe you may have some homework now uh, of some things to be watching. But now I think the gang, the crew, the people I hang out with, my posse, they're all fired up. Yeah! Turn me up!
3: up. Yo! Up. My crew
0: is all fired up! Up. Everybody it's time to talk up. about what's got us fired up this week in pop culture. Dalton Stewart, are you fired up? Oh, a little bit. Um, I finished Peaky Blinders,
2: which you've heard both me and Arthur talk about on the show before. Uh, do that, listener. For those of you who need a refresher, Peaky Blinders is a BBC series that Netflix has the U.S. distribution rights to. Uh, it is about a, the titular gang in Birmingham, England uh, in 1919, just following uh, the end of the First World War. Uh, It stars Killian Murphy um, as the leader of the Peaky Blinders. Um, They they mostly rig horse betting, but uh, they do all kinds of other street thuggy type things. Uh, And Sam Neill, that's right, Dr. Alan Grant uh, is the constable who's been brought in from Belfast to uh, bring them to heel. It's awesome and great, um, and people have—I wouldn't go this far, but some people have compared it to The Wire— um, other people have compared it, and I'd say this is more fair to Sons of Anarchy, uh, but I'd say it's probably somewhere in the middle of those two, because it does have a little of the socio-political stuff in there that I, that I love so much, and also it's just fun, and it's a gangster show, and they have a, anachronistic soundtrack that's, and the, the, the score, or the theme song, rather, is Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds' Red Right Hand, which, that's just a good call. Uh... Also, as I've already mentioned, listener, I was sick uh, this week, and other than watching The West Wing while I was ill, I was watching Key & Peele, um, the Comedy Central sketch show, which I watch sometimes. I I don't follow it religiously, but I was watching a lot of it on Hulu, and uh, it's such a funny show. It really is. I love it so much. Um, It really kind of brings back those fond memories I have about 10 years ago from The Chappelle Show uh, and, and... Keegan Michael Key and Jordan Peele are, are two guys I've seen, you know, are, are in comedy forever. Uh, they were, you know, on Mad TV. They've, they've been showing up in movies and sketch shows f- forever. Uh, and it, when I heard they were getting their own show, I was really excited about that. And any, every time I watch the show, I laugh, like, just really ridiculously hard, considering there's nobody else with me when I'm usually watching it. Um, last but not least, my little sister um, is a really big fan of Jimmy Fallon for some reason. Um, I don't really have an opinion on him one way or the other, but she really likes him, and she made me watch uh, um, an interview he just did with Daniel Radcliffe. Uh, Daniel Radcliffe was on the show promoting his um, new movie, Horns, and uh, I learned that Daniel Radcliffe really likes hip-hop. And Daniel Radcliffe raps uh, Alphabet (laughs) Alphabet Acrobatics by Blacklicious, and it is one of the most delightful and adorable things I've ever seen in my entire life. You should go do that right now.
0: Additional fun fact you know who is a really great um, dance music DJ? Who's that? Elijah Wood. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. Isn't that weird? Well, thank you very much, Mr. Dalton Stewart. Uh, Miss Alexandra Bohannon, are you fired up this week?
1: I am. One, um, I am unfired or not fired down or just mellow.
0: Anti fire?
1: Anti fired. Well, because it's a kind of somber, uh, sad topic. Um, for those of you who are avid public listen uh public radio listeners, you may have learned that as of today, uh Tom from Car Talk he passed away. Aww. Aww. They haven't been broadcasting the show in two years yeah. um, because he has he had Alzheimer's and he passed away due to complications due to Alzheimer's. Aww. That is too bad. Yeah. I found that out of about three PM, and I've kind of been Aww. feeling sad the rest of the day. I, I love mean, me some click and clack. Oh, my gosh. That show is so wonderful. Dear I didn't listener. Really, it was one of
2: those things that I would listen to if it was on, uh, and I would never. It was one of those things I was like, oh, car talk. But you know what? I never changed this station. Right.
1: Right, I mean they have just and Cause they were
2: they were just so delightful. They seemed like such nice guys.
1: Yeah, Tom had that delightful laugh, and um, they both had. Oh, they were on the
2: air for so long.
1: Ever, yeah. They both got degrees from MIT, and one of them was a professor, actually. Wow. Yeah, did, did a whole bunch of different things, and then they eventually had that garage and the radio show. So. That's a bummer, but uh, I felt like I wanted to talk about that, and uh, he will be missed, especially as those of you in the podcasting world, it's just a quick shot into public radio, and so I'm sure just go look up some of his uh, work that's pretty good. Um, And in a happier note, uh, J.K. Rowling just published a little short story about, um, on Pottermore, which is the answer to her encyclopedia, which I think is a silly idea, personally, because I'd rather just have an encyclopedia, but at least it keeps getting updated, so whatever, I'll get over it. Um, But they just released uh, Order of the Phoenix as, like, the playthrough on... Okay, stop grimacing at me. Nerd! Yeah, get over it. It's... It's pop culture, and it happened, like, over the weekend, so this is totally applicable. If it's not
0: popular, it's not culture. Right. Just saying.
1: Um, I also learned that Umbridge and I almost shared the same birthday, which is kind of distressing, and uh, we learn about some of her background history, which I probably, it makes a lot of sense. So um, if you're on Pottermore, you can give that a a read and uh, tell me what you think, because I'd be interested to talk about it with somebody else.
0: Have you any cats or pink sweaters?
1: I have no cats, but I do love cats, and I do have pink sweaters.
0: She is wearing
2: a pink cardigan as we speak.
1: I am wearing a pink shirt right now. I'm disturbed. Yeah. I do have hair bows, but I'm not wearing one right now.
0: I won't judge you. You're still my friend, and I love you. So I'm going to move right along into what's got me fired up this week in popular culture. One of those things is Netflix. Go on. Netflix has dropped some movies that I kind of love. Sir and I want Snowpiercer is one of them. Yeah. The other one of them is Django Unchained.
1: <gasps> no way. Yep. Also
0: recent good trash episode Arnold Schwarzenegger starring in Total recall you just got me very fired up about all of that also Netflix has done the thing that has made um, you know Netflix is, is sort of in, co- in competition with DVD actual physical purchases, mm-hmm. and as I was moving my way through House of Cards last week, I happened to notice that if you toggle the audio, there are commentary tracks available on certain episodes of House of Cards get
1: wrecked.
0: Cool, and, ain't that good news? Do the first
2: two episodes have them?
0: I don't know for sure. Venture. So I didn't. I didn't make a list, but I just went what, and I said I will have to remember this yeah, for the that. show because I haven't done any uh, listening also. So I have, I have no comments on the
2: you quality. You need to hurry up and watch the second season. I'm in
0: it. Does it
1: get oh, okay. like cray?
2: Oh, it gets it's it gets even soapier. Like they they drop all pretense of reality. Oh yeah, but it's it's more fun.
0: It's a fair point. Um, also, it is novel writing November. I'm five thousand words in here on November third, and I'm very excited and um, quite. Um, it's
1: fifteen hundred a day.
0: Correct. Okay, you're good. And so I'm a little ahead, and it makes me happy. And so I probably will never publish it because I don't want anyone to know. <laughs>
1: uh, no, I did I did mine, and I have done zero things with it. Is that a thing? Yeah. National Novel Writing Month. Fifty thousand words. gonna write a novel.
2: Me either. High five.
0: But it's happening, so there you go. Well, thank you, dear co-hosts, for that feedback or a bit of fired upness Brief addendum, by the way. For some
2: reason, I refer to the Black Licious song as Alphabet Acrobatics. It's Alphabet Aerobics, which makes far more sense.
0: It's quite different than acrobatics, although aerobics and acrobatics are related terms. They
2: are similar. Aer- aerobics is easier to say. Which and also literally a connection,
0: connected.
1: And you could wear leg warmers in both.
0: That's correct. It's an excellent point. Uh, or leotards. But moving right along, um, we thank you so much for all of that excellent information. And uh, next week is Alex's host pick. And what is your TV series?
1: Veronica Mars. I'm so excited. Making nerds tell? watch this show. I'm very, very excited. You'll I, get hooked.
0: I hear good things. I'm I've never seen a single episode, me so either. I'm excited oh my to take a look. Oh, my
1: gosh. I cannot no, believe either. it. And saw, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Arthur's a fan,
2: too. Oh, your wife is.
0: Okay. Are
1: you not a fan? I
0: seen it. It's a show for girls.
1: It's on a show for girls. I make every boyfriend I date watch this show.
0: That's not surprising.
2: <laughs> I've decided I'm 24 years old. Uh, I like all the things I'm ever gonna like, um, and if I like something new, it's gonna be because I found it. I'm never watching anything as a girlfriend makes me ever again. Full stop.
1: Well, I'm glad I'm your friend then.
2: Let yeah. me know
0: how that works out.
2: Well, yeah, no, that's what. What I'm really doing is making sure I can better build my castle of loneliness around me. Yeah,
0: you surely are. <laughs> That's what I'm going for. I hope this makes extra credit. Shriver, sh- shriveled, cold, and alone, the The snow globe will fall from your hand, and he will utter the word Rosebud. Rose.
2: <laughs> I mean, I'll continue to let people push me off the fence if I'm on the fence about something, but I'm never going to watch something I have no interest in ever again. I'll
0: play it on my phone while it's on. I'm not going to watch it huh we 'll see about Aww. all of that, but dear listener, uh, what we want to say to you is this is that movies and television has a lot to say about the world in which we live, and can it help us to sort of shape and nuance our conversation where we can embrace a little complexity instead of just making everything easy answers and simple fortune cookie truths and uh, by watching the west wing we've examined some of that and we challenge you dear listener to take a look at some excellent visual entertainment and or just trashy visual entertainment and in the process have that great conversation to make life a little bit more worth living but in the meantime watch some great tv watch some great movies and we'll see you next time
1: Through president. your catalog of presidents you don't like,
0: or your pocket computing device, which will give you all the information. Yeah.
2: Uh, he's the 14th president. For some reason, I remember that, but I don't. Washington,
0: remember. Adams, Jefferson, Madison, Monroe, Adams, Jackson, Veer and Harrison, Tyler, Polk, and Taylor, Fillmore, Pearson, and Buchanan. It was Franklin Pierce. Lincoln, Johnson, Grant, and Hayes, Monroe. Because awesome.
2: I was thinking of James K. Polk, who is one of the greatest presidents in the history of this nation.
0: Make your insert now.
1: I was just gonna remark on how um, Dalton has never done one that short before.
0: Ooh. Well, I I thought you were gonna say something about the the religious. Two minutes in aspect. heaven's better than one minute in heaven. Am I right? Daniels the butler. She would be terrible and at improv.
1: Fuck you! I was good at improv. I was I was on improv teams. Fuck you.
2: Whatever you. Whatever you say, Jimmy Fallon. Who's gonna improv now, bitch? (laughs)